Got it. He then walks away. We're standing there watching the match flicker. The bees are flying in and out. And we're standing about probably almost 20 feet away, maybe 15. And as we're standing there, she walks up behind us without us aware with a cup of gasoline and pitches it, accidentally splashes me on the right side of my face and shoulder, hits my buddy on the left side of his face and shoulder, and hits that spark of a match. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and within an instant, we're engulfed in flames. You know, and for some reason, um, I thought back to a TV show that I'd watched called Code Red, and I remember to stop, drop, and roll. And it was interesting because the things that go through your mind in those nanoseconds, my first thought was, I got to get away from the beast. They're mad. They're going to steam me. So <laughs> right. I ran away from the bees because my yard was right next door, stopped, dropped, and rolled there. And then when I got my flames out, I looked up. My buddy was still standing there screaming on fire. Welcome to the Habits to Goals podcast with Martin Grunberg. It's time to take control of your life. Are you ready to achieve goals faster and more consistently than ever before? You need the habit factor. You're listening to Habits to Goals, the podcast that helps you create the habits that lead to success. And here is Martin Grunberg. All righty, here we go. Welcome back. Thank you very much for joining me. My name is Martin Grunberg. You have reached Habits to Goals today. Yes, we have another phenomenal guest, an elite competitor, an Ironman athlete, a best-selling author, a professional speaker, and frankly, his story is even more inspirational than it is at times difficult to listen to. Shay Eskew, welcome to Habits to Goals, sir. How are you doing today? Fantastic. It's an honor to be here with you and your audience. Yeah, well, thank you for joining us and, and sharing your story. Your story is phenomenal. We, we have a format for the show that the listeners are used to, and we talk typically at length more about the, the person than any one thing they're you know, promoting or selling. And in your case, it couldn't be more appropriate. Again, um, your, your book has been absolutely fantastic. I'm not, I'm not through it. Oh, there we go. Something just dinged. <laughs> Hopefully that wasn't on my end. Um, so your book has been absolutely phenomenal, Shay. And before we get into some background, which is where I like to start, and I should back up and say, before we even get to the GTR, I want to share with the audience, I, I met Shay a couple weeks back. Now, depending on when this airs, it's it's irrelevant. When we're recording this, it was a couple weeks back, and Shay and I both participated in something called the Rim to Rim to Rim Grand Canyon Challenge, if you will. And it was there that not only his... I, there's so many things I could talk about his will, his determination, his competitive spirit, but it was just his character that, that floored me. And I knew he would be a phenomenal interview. Um, and then it turns out he has this book. So I'm working my way through the book, Shay, but before we get into business here, how, how are you recovering from the rim to rim? I know you just did a half Ironman, so I'm guessing pretty well. Yeah, I feel pretty good. Uh, <laughs> erased, uh, you know, 12 days later, um, right. it was not a PR attempt, but honestly, it was a, a tune-up race, and I kept reminding myself, I have nothing to prove. Don't overcook the grits. Just kind of get out there and see how the <laughs> fitness is. And, but I feel pretty good. You know, my big races are coming up here in two months, so I'm excited about those. Cool. Well, like I said, it was just uh, it was a unique experience to put it mildly, to to trek some 50 miles <laughs> through the Grand Canyon, mostly with you, before you decided to take off. Anyhow, uh, let's get into it. We typically kick off the show with something called the GTR, the Good Things Report. Uh, 
you have the option to go first or you can defer to me. Yeah, I'll go first. Honestly, the past seven days has been, for me, kind of a dream come true. Wow. I got a big promotion in my job. I was promoted up to a chief development officer. Seriously? Woo! That's amazing. Yes, and this is something I've been pursuing for eight years, and my last employer told me it was not an option with them. Wow. And that was why I left the company, because there was no advancement opportunity. Got it. And so I went to another company that was looking for somebody to help them build a national presence. And 18 months later, you know, here we are. Wow. Well, congratulations, man. That's terrific. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. That's beautiful. My, uh, I can't, I'm not going to top that. My GTR was going to be that I'm taking the family down next week. South of the border for a little family vacay. Last year we did, we did a bigger European trip. This year we're keeping it local because my daughter's going to be off to college. Uh, that was going to be the GTR. Now it's my effort to make lemonade out of lemons. I think I, well, I know I had mentioned to you because I was trying to buy more time. The, the habit factor website was hacked and, <laughs> and I woke up. Monday morning to an email from Google just basically saying, Hey, looks like your website has been hacked. Um, and it's nothing like, I mean, it's an absolute pain in the ass. Um, but it's nothing like anybody, any visitors, something bad's going to happen. These are people, it looks like from Asia somewhere that injected code in the site. So if you go to a blog post, if you click on a link, it redirects you out somewhere in Asia. Um, obviously not good, needed to be addressed. And, and the reason I'm even bringing this up as a GTR is I have been, <laughs> this is called habits to goals. I have been procrastinating for at least two years to move my site to a faster server and it's really something that's had to happen. And this has uh, forced my hand. And so we've moved to a faster website. We've got a redesign going. It's still in pieces, but it's almost already better than it was a few days ago. So lemonade out of lemons. That's my GTR, bud. Well, I like it. You know, I truly believe things happen for a reason. And generally, it's to force us to do stuff we should have already done. <laughs> well, and right. you, you, you hit the nail on the head, man. I should, yeah. I'll and we just got to be thankful. It could, you know, it could have been much worse. So yeah. to me, it sounds like it was a, a really, I wouldn't say cheap, but maybe a, a good wake up call without. Right, right. Like I got off, I got off. Well, and yeah, I mean, honestly, there, the, the site, because there's some popular blog posts, it's so slow and painful that Google has been like, you need to, you need to increase the speed here. It's just, so anyhow, that's, I'm, I'm pleased we're doing that. If, if, if this were airing today or tomorrow, then people would still see a bit of a broken new site, meaning some images are showing, some links are broken, but hopefully by the time this airs, that'll all be cleaned up. All right, well, let's get into Shea SQ, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, my my new bourbon buddy. Um, take us back, Shay. You cover it so well in the book. And by the way, the book is called, and I will link to this, What the Fire Ignited. And in a way, that's a play on words, how life's worst helped me achieve my best. So before we get into that, take us back um, kind of where you grew up, what part of the world, and then talk us through that, the the tragic story there. Did we lose you? Yeah, I'm here. No, you may go ahead and start. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, go ahead. Uh, Born I mean, in Atlanta, you know, whatever Georgia. you're comfortable with talking about, too. I mean, I just, yeah. I know that set off a trajectory that was, that, that was obviously life altering. So, well, 
I'm a wide open book, very transparent. What you see is what you get. There's nothing flashy or pretty here. Um, but I was born in Atlanta, Georgia. I uh, grew up there and then basically my life trajectory changed forever. August 4th, 1982. I was eight. My best friend was seven and my mother had asked me to warn my neighbors that they had an aggressive yellow jackets nest in the ground that the previous day had swarmed my entire bicycle. So I recruited my buddy. We walked over there to warn the father about the yellow jackets. We knocked on the door. The father wasn't there, but the 15 year old daughter was. And as we proceed to tell her about the yellow jackets, she then asked if we would help her get rid of them. And I preface this by saying I had the most conservative parents you've ever met. Right. Drink, didn't smoke, didn't cuss. I wasn't allowed to go to spend night parties. I couldn't go to firework shows. I wasn't allowed to stay with babysitters. Couldn't jump on a trampoline. Wow. If there, if there was any chance of something going wrong, <laughs> I wasn't allowed to participate. And yet, despite all that, you know, I was severely burned. So this 15 year old asked us if we'd help her get rid of the yellow jackets. And we said, what do you need us to do? She goes, look, I just need you to watch the bees to make sure they don't leave. So she walks over to the nest, throws a match down, and we all know a match in and of itself will do nothing. Got it. She then walks away. We're standing there watching the match flicker. The bees are flying in and out. And we're standing about probably almost 20 feet away, maybe 15. And as we're standing there, she walks up behind us without us aware with a cup of gasoline and pitches it, accidentally splashes me on the right side of my face and shoulder hits my buddy on the left side of his face and shoulder and hits that spark of a match. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And within an instant we're engulfed in flames, you know, and for some reason um, I thought back to a TV show that I'd watched called code red. And I remember to stop, drop and roll. And it was interesting because the things that go through your mind in those nanoseconds, my first thought was, I got to get away from the bees. They're mad. They're going to steam me. So <laughs> right. I ran away from the bees because my yard was right next door. Stopped, dropped, and rolled there. And then when I got my flames out, I looked up. My buddy was still standing there screaming on fire. Uh. So I ran back across the yard, and the girl was hiding behind some bushes. And then I grabbed the water hose and put him out. And then I basically just stood there alternating the hose between us, letting it run off the top of our heads. Wow. You know, our body is black and in charge. You're melted, falling off, touching my head. All of my hair came out. My clothes were melted to my body. And all I could think of was what just happened? Oh you know, what? one minute I'm standing here watching bees. Next minute, my whole body is radiating this immense heat and charred. Then you're like, what now? Right. You know, and so basically that, as you can imagine, was a life-changing event. We soon realized that we had no insurance. My father's employer had canceled insurance on dependents. The girl's um, liability insurance company denied liability for the fire. And so we were left with a $2 million hospital bill. And fortunately for us, the Shriners Hospital in Cincinnati heard about our story and agreed to relocate my mother and I from Atlanta to Cincinnati. And so my dad had to remain in Atlanta because he was working. We couldn't afford to go three months without a paycheck. So I spent the next three months in the hospital in Cincinnati. I'd see my dad on the weekends. He would drive up. As you can imagine, it was a complete game changer. Um, the scarring was so severe, my right arm was permanently melted to my side. And so I could not use my right arm for three years. It took over three years to lift my right arm over my head. My neck was melted and affixed at a 60-degree angle. So it took, again, almost three years to hold my head up straight. I had to learn how to write left-handed to go back and resume the third grade. Um, the first two months of third grade I did from my hospital bed. Fortunately, was able to 
maintain my straight A's and stay on pace with all my peers. That's incredible. And to top things off, a lot of infection set in. Right. I lost my first three skin grafts to infection. Gangrene set in. They had to amputate my right ear. And, you know, Martin, it was kind of then that I was introduced to the power of humor in healing. <laughs> right. And the reason being is when the doctors told my mom that they were going to have to amputate my right ear, she said she wanted to be the one to deliver the news. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget her walking up to me. She said, Shay, <laughs> you see your dad over there? You see those big goofy ears he's got? <laughs> you were so lucky. You're only going to have one of those, not two of those. That's yeah, I just read that anecdote. I mean, I think it was yesterday morning and, and yeah, it had me, I think, laughing and crying. Um, I'm sitting here, I'm holding my, my head in my hands. I just, uh, it's so, it's, it's painful to listen to and then, to realize that you went through this on top of it, you know, the ramifications you talk about, like reintroducing yourself to society when you got people calling you names like Freddy Krueger and, um, and there's some deformity there. And it's just, it, it's, 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 it is life trajectory changing stuff. So if I'm the listener now, I think I understand where this is going. Um, I how, how did you develop that, that muscle that every time, you know, it was just like you thought you were getting better and then a screen graph goes bad and then, and then another one. And then uh, like, where does that, um, resilience muscle resiliency come from i mean especially at eight and ten and uh, yeah you know it, it's a great question and it, it's funny because i remember you know one of my first thoughts you know i talk about it in the book like the first time i saw my face in the mirror after the accident i started screaming uncontrollably mm. Because the face looking back at me was not the face of an eight-year-old. It was that, you know, it was contorted, swollen, mouth-shaped, unrecognizable. Oh. And then I had to come to the reality that this is me. This is my new reality that no amount of praying, crying, begging was going to change that. And, you know, I think that's part of the key in life is, look, some things you just got to accept them and, don't try to fight it. Just say, hey, how can I use this to move on? Hmm. And I'll never forget laying in the hospital bed. So the first two weeks, you're flat on your back. You can't move at all. And suspended above me was a piece of plexiglass about three by six feet suspended from the ceiling. And face down in the plexiglass was all the get well wish cards my friends sent. But there was also an eight and a half by 11 autographed picture by Herschel Walker. Right. You know, Heisman Trophy winner, Sugar Bowl champs. He was growing up Atlanta. Who's who I looked up to. And, you know, fortunately, I had a lot of time to sit there and ponder, you know, laying there in that bed for two weeks. And all I kept thinking was, will I ever have the opportunity to run down a football field again? And the more I ponder that, the more I kept thinking, you know what? I can't take away the scars. I'm going to have to carry this badge forever. But I'm going to do everything in my power to become an athlete. And then once I got out, that became my focus because I truly believe that if I could reclaim my life as an athlete, and again, whatever form that took, I realized I would not be competitive, but I just wanted to be out there and compete. Right. I wanted to not be somebody that everybody felt sorry for and looked for looked at with pity and so i truly believe that if i could become an athlete it would give people a reason to look beyond the scars and see me for who i am wow and and, and, kind of set my whole life in motion 
at at seven, at six, but prior to the accident, were you? What were your favorite sports at that time? My favorite sport was football. Uh, Got it. I played baseball as well. I was a good athlete. You know, I like to brag and say, look, if it's possible to be a ladies' man at eight, I think I was. <laughs> I'm sure you were. You know, I had the Farrah Fawcett wings, and my uh, mom made my leisure suits. You know, she made all my clothes, my Halloween costume. But, <laughs> you know, I truly believe I was the total package. You know, I did straight-A student. <laughs> you name it. Um, sure. You know, and if it was very popular. So it was a major blow to go from being somebody that people, that kids wanted to be around to now that you're ostracized at the playground. Nobody picks you. Nobody even wants you on your team for the playground sports anymore. They would rather go without a person than pick you. Yeah. I mean, you even talk about fast forwarding a little. So you end up moving and in high school you were you were the senior class president so you went from kind of people picking on you and being ostracized to to really embracing you and and a lot of that i'm sure had to do with you talk a great deal about your your success uh on the wrestling team and and finding finding an outlet there so I'm I'm not sure how much that that led to you becoming president, but I thought, wow, what a fantastic story! Only to find that when your first foray into your first college, um, once again experiencing some rejection from a fraternity. Um, so I mean, just unbelievable like roller coaster up and down emotionally and and so what are you are you you're leaning on your faith i'm guessing and in your competitive drive you know it is it's one of those i kind of feel like i've been carrying a chip on my shoulder my entire life right and it's but it reinforces that just when you think you've made it in life life's going to knock you down so don't ever get too comfortable where you're at Okay. You know, always celebrate where you're at. Take pride in what you've accomplished, but don't lose that edge. And that's one of the things that sports has provided such a great outlet. You know, in addition to my faith, my faith has remained strong throughout my life. I don't see it as God was punishing me or anything else. You know, if anything, I tell people, this was the best thing that ever happened to me. Name one thing in life I've ever missed out on because of getting burned. You know, I've been married 16 years, five kids under 13. Five kids? Yeah, if you're good (laughs) at something, man, you got to keep doing it, you know? That's right. Um, But I've got a great job. I mean, so tell me anything I've missed out on as a result of getting burned. Did I go through absolute hell? Heck yeah, I did. Did I have to work five times as hard as everybody else just to be average? You bet I did. But because I work so hard, ten you know things meant ten times as much to me. Hmm. You know I don't take anything for granted. Like if you were to come into the hospital room the night before any of my surgeries, I've had over thirty-seven surgeries the last thirty-five years. If you come into my hospital room, you will find me exercising the night before surgery. Wow! Because I want to take comfort in knowing that if I wake up and can't do what I did before I went to bed. I'm okay with it. I made use of it. every that I was given. I have no. And when you start living life like that, right. it takes on a whole different meaning. You never feel cheated or robbed. When things go wrong, you know, you just tell yourself, hey, I've had a good run. You know, your luck's bound to run out. So, so let's go. I mean, because this is a question that came up. I don't know if you're going to be able to answer it. Um, it has to do with the edge and the chip on your shoulder and, and your very statement that this might be the best thing that ever happened to you. I was wrestling with the philosophical question. The, the person that doesn't have adversity, like significant adversity and that they, they don't have a chip on their shoulder. 
how how can they or can they get one? Um, and just parenthetically, so I know you're working your way through the habit factor. Right. Just that the second book is is actually called the pressure paradox, and there's a whole chapter about the chip on the shoulder. So I yeah. can't wait to send you that one. <laughs> but but the the question is because I I was I mean it's hard impossible for me to say that's the best gift you could have been given. Um, but the flip side is it's, it's also pretty clear that, that you wouldn't have been the, the man, the character, the wrestler, the boxer, the Ironman athlete that you are without that. Um, and I'm just wondering how, how does somebody, how do you create that from scratch without, Yeah, if they don't, I mean, they don't want to go out and, uh, create some adversity yeah. well i mean how do they how do they keep the edge i don't advise people to set themselves on fire <laughs> that's where i was going good job <laughs> uh, but it's no different than what you and i did two weeks ago doing that grand canyon rim to rim to rim you know what excellent point god dang it no. why didn't i think of that keep going sorry because awesome. it makes me sound smarter when i say it uh yeah yeah way smarter New listener, the quickest way to get up to speed here at Habits to Goals to understand how it is you are going to craft intentionally the good supportive habits that will help you reach your goals more quickly. The process we follow is PAR. Plan, act, record, and reassess. That's it. It's fairly simple. You have three ways to get your free tracking sheet, which will get you straight up to speed. Very quick. So you can go to thehabitfactor.com forward slash templates. You can text the word habits, H-A-B-I-T-S, to 33444. And (laughs) finally, to give you additional resources, just use your favorite search engine or and or Google and just type PAR, P-A-R-R, and the Habit Factor. For those of you looking for a super Super deep dive on habit. The book, that's right. It's almost 10 years old. Check out the habit factor on Kindle. It is, I believe it's $3.99 or $4.99, practically free. Of course, it gives you not just a deep dive on habit, but, but really walks you through the habit factor process. So there are a handful of options for the new listener. Awesome. <laughs> the key is to voluntarily subject yourself to being uncomfortable. You know, I like to use the term, get comfortable being uncomfortable. I love it. I love it. I do a lot of training where I make it as miserable as I can. (laughs) This is so good. Perfect. You know, like for instance, we had a record heat in Nashville uh, back in 2012. I think it was 109 degrees here, which with our humidity makes it absolutely miserable. Right. So When they announced this was going to be the hottest day on record in Nashville, I put on thermal underwear and a sweatshirt, <laughs> gloves, and a toboggan. And Talk went about and cooking your grits. Yeah, so I went and ran for an hour. Now, I had to crawl back home because it was so miserable. But oh. it gave me the courage to know, look, you can handle anything. You will never give up no matter what the circumstances are. You know, one of the things I like to do, and I don't do it, you know, every two days, but I do it usually once every two weeks. I travel a lot for work. So my normal habit is to get up at 4 a.m. I've got a complete ritual I go through every morning. But there are some days where I have to be at the airport at 4.30. So I can't follow my normal routine. And I'll be traveling all day and not get home till 10 o'clock at night. Right. Those are times where I will go down into what I call my pain cave. That's my home gym. And I will crank out a two-hour bike ride or a 15-mile run starting at 10.30 at night. Hmm. Um, you know, two weeks ago, I went and swam a mile and a half out in my pool starting at 11.30 at night. And I tell people, I don't do this because I have to to maintain my physical fitness. I do it for the mental fitness. Wow. I do it to know that when times are tough, I'm going to reflect back on these training sessions and say, look, this is a piece of cake. You've been through so much worse. You got this. 
Oh, you know. Okay, so I just I got to share a few things. So this is crazy. I know I posed the question, but silly me. So so listener, if you go back, just so you know, Shay, where I'm coming from, we 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 have uh, three episodes called Change and Challenge, Change and Challenge One, Change and Challenge Two, Change and Challenge Three. In Change and Challenge Three, I talk about the answer to the question why make things hard on yourself if life is already hard. And the, <laughs> the answer was precisely that because life is hard. You, you, I was, I was suggesting you must test yourself because physical challenges create mental breakthroughs. So that it's just so much better. Like you said, so much smarter coming from you, but that, <laughs> that is all baked into challenge and change one, two, and three. And uh, it's very helpful to hear it from you. So, well, you know, and it's, it's funny, like reading through your book, the habit factor, you know, when I look at my daily ritual, you know, I get up at four, the first 20 to 30 minutes every morning, I make my coffee. (laughs) I eat two frozen blueberry waffles. And then I read for 20, 30 minutes. Nice. Because I want to set the tone for my entire day that hey i own this day. i'm setting the tone right in the game. then i will spend 20 minutes cranking out some emails because i know most sane people are not up at 4 30 in the morning yeah. and they're not going to respond to it for two to three hours and Perfect. i'll be the first email in their inbox and then i go work out and that is my ritual you know and i have programmed myself that that to me is just as habitual as brushing my teeth every day Amen. It's Beautiful. automatic, you know, and then if I don't have it, it's you know, I feel off kilter. Off kilter. And, you know, I tell people, for me, vacation is not an excuse not to work out. You know, I travel with my running shoes. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say this, but, again, full transparency, you know, with my five kids. So when we were in the hospital, my wife had to have five C-sections. We're going to be there for a while. When she would start, I'd put my shoes on and go run for eight miles and come back <laughs> in the hospital. I she would always kind of look over at me like, you know, half in and that, half right. in, half out. She goes, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> I said, well, well, shit, there's no way I can sleep. I said, it doesn't make sense to watch you sleep. <laughs> you know, the baby's in the nursery. Look, I'll be back. Uh, but it's just part of my you know, therapy. It's your DNA. Yeah. It's, but again, all this came about, I wasn't born this way. These are things that, you know, I've went through some experiences and again, it didn't, what happened at eight didn't fix everything for the rest of my life. I've had a few episodes throughout my life. You know, I talked about one of them basically back in, um, 2010. No, I'm sorry. 2008. We're at a wake up concert. Shit. I'm 40 pounds heavier than I want to be. I'm not in the job I want to be in. Is this really the kind of example I want to set for my kids? You were 40 pounds heavier than you wanted to be? Yes. That's, yeah. hard. That's hard for me to even picture. I got, well, I've got the picture. It's not pretty. <laughs> I mean, right now you probably weigh a buck 45, so I'm yep. having a hard time picturing you at a buck 85. Woo. I even got up to 190 because, you know, I thought I was looking sexy until you go back and look at the pictures. Right, right. Well, I'm, I'm mad sure at my you wife. were looking sexy. And I'm mad at my wife. It's like, why didn't you tell me I was a fat ass? God. <laughs> and she didn't see it either. You know, it's not till you get back in shape and look at pictures, but <laughs> I just became. For, a forest for, for the trees. Yeah, and you become complacent. You know, one bad habit leads to another. And then, you know, luckily, I was able to reverse those and start putting the good habits in place. And and I know you agree, Martin. It's It doesn't take 20 good habits to get you where you want to be. It starts with one. Amen. Build on that one. You know, when you master that one, add another one to it. And before yeah. you know it, you're living the kind of life you want to live. 
Amen, brother. Yeah, uh, there are foundational habits, you know, sometimes referred to as keystone, whether it's going to bed early or waking up early or drinking water or, or exercising. Um, all right. Well, we could, I could do this certainly all day with you, <laughs> my man. Um, but we gotta, we gotta, we gotta move to the next phase of the, the show here. And, and it's a natural segue, actually. Ha- having the life experiences that you've had, having the success that you've had, being the competitor that you are, I'm really curious how you define success. You know, it's one of those, it's so hard to put in words, but at the end of the day, it centers around happiness. You know, for me, a big component of it is, am I living the kind of life that my kids and my wife can be proud of? Nice. And then, so when I start reflecting about what I've done each day and each week, did I do the things that I know my kids can take pride in, you know, saying, hey, my daddy did this. Wow, that's great. Right? It's not about being famous or anything like that. It's about, hey, you know, is are my kids proud of, the little things, you know, my dad exercised or my dad played wiffle ball with me out in the yard or my dad pushed me in the swing. But it's also a divine success that, you know, financially it's that we're able to live a lifestyle where we're not worried too much about having to make ends meet and sure. giving up on things that we think are important. Right. Um I'm trying to think of the best way to sound. I mean, I grew up with nothing. You know, we were dirt poor. I mean, we didn't take vacations. Uh, we didn't have money to pay the bills. You know, my parents claimed that was the reason why they got divorced. And so for me, I never wanted financial stress to be a concern because I was so fearful of the impact it could have on my marriage. Right. So I've tried to make being successful professionally something that would help my marriage endure. but I also want to add the caveat that I don't want to be successful professionally where it sacrifices my role as a parent. Because one of the things I realized in the, the day, your kids don't care how much money you make, what title you have. It's are you there for them when they need you? Are you there at that baseball game? Are you there at that senior dance? That's all they care about. And so that's what I try to focus on. Can I do those things? Can I create experiences where I know my kids and they look back and say, Hey, dad, remember when we went to Yellowstone? Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. No, I look, uh, the definition doesn't have to be a sentence. And I think that was beautifully put. Um, those are great criteria, at least from my perspective. All right. Next question. Again, the common questions I love to ask you, you touched on a few. If you had to identify your, and, and maybe you just said them, but I'm just going to ask anyways, the, the top two or three habits, personal habits you, you have, um, worth reiterating. Yeah. I'd say number one, it's, (laughs) sorry, go ahead. Uh, number one, it's getting up early. Yeah. Because to get up early means you have to go to bed early. You have to map out your entire week, lay out your clothes, schedule your workout. So there's so many things that have to be done to get up early. So getting up early is number one. Uh, Two, it's don't buy into excuses that you're too busy. And so when you feel tempted to say you're too busy, look at are you really that busy or are you just wasting time? And so I try to always make time to squeeze in some kind of a workout during the day, even if it's 15 minutes. It's awesome. So it doesn't have to be the full hour I had planned or whatever it was, but I'm a believer. Something is better than nothing. And you're just reinforcing that. Look, daily exercise is a habit. Don't break it. Fantastic. Yeah, the the idea is I heard one guy say something to the effect that 
if if you don't have the life that affords you the ability to exercise for 20 minutes a day, then you don't have a life. <laughs> In other words, Agreed. That, that's just no, you're not living. And, and so, and I love your point. We all have stories. We all have excuses. If we're looking for an excuse, we have one. But, but the answer is, um, that is a story. Nobody's too busy to, and I mean, nobody to work out 15 or 20 minutes a day. Yeah. And I tell people all the time, give me your daily schedule. I promise you I'll find 20 minutes in there. Right. The key is, are you willing to make the sacrifices right. to make it happen? Well, and that's the other thing. When you were talking about, you know, running 15 miles and swimming a mile and a half, I, the, these are big numbers. They're daunting numbers. Um, and I know you would be the first to say <laughs> before it was a mile and a half swim, it was a 200 yard swim, <laughs> you know, it was a yeah. hundred yard swim. It was a lap. So yeah. it's starting small. And just well, and here's the thing too, Martin, it's, it's not only starting small, but I absolutely hate swimming. I hate it. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. But I do it because I know I need to. And right. so to go do something, you know, I love a quote uh, out there that's do something you hate every single day. Right. That's the key to growing. That's great, man. Um, here's, I I don't know. This, this probably applies to some more than others. But if there was advice, I mean, you're, how old are you right now? 45. That's what I thought. Okay. So, what would you tell your 25-year-old self in terms of advice? You know, the big thing is have patience, that life is truly a, a marathon, not a sprint, that don't get so wrapped up in what your peers are doing right out of college. Mm, mm. Some people hit their peak early in life. And I'm going to tell you, it's a trap I fell into. When I came out of the MBA program, I saw the jobs my friends were laying. I was like, golly. What am I doing wrong? You know? Um, and now I fast forward 20 years. I'm like, all right, you know, things have changed. Interesting. You got to keep that in mind, you know, like, especially, you know, even athletics, you know, nobody cares what you did in high school or college. What are you doing now? Right. You know, don't show me a picture of when you're 18. Are you taking care of yourself now? That is so true, man. Wow. Yeah, no, I was thinking, I mean, there's something that's changed in professional sports. I don't know if you've noticed this. It, when we were, we're almost, we're kind of the same, same age-ish. And when we were growing up, for instance, in tennis, if you, if you won two or three, maybe four Wimbledons, that was legendary, right? Right. And the careers of a top performer were five, six years. And then, and then that began to change when somebody like Sampras came out and all of a sudden he had, he had like nine majors. The, the point is with it's, it's kind of to your point that athletes today, they, they are not content to say, look what I did five years ago. Like a Federer, you know, with 20, 20 majors, um, he's, he's had a, a professional career of 20 years in surfing a guy named Kelly Slater yes. out of a 20 year career. He, he has 11 championships. The guy before him, uh, the record was three or four. So, so there's just something about this persistent work ethic that, yeah, forget about what you did yesterday. Uh, it's all about now. It's all about tomorrow's performance. Um, it's a real important shift. And, and I think you hit the nail on the head. It, it, yeah. It, go ahead. You know, and part of that, too, I believe, especially, you know, professionally, it's a game of attrition. Right. So you don't have to come out guns a-blazing. But the key is it's not who's the fastest. It's who slows down the least. And so it's also who here, drops out. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yes. you, just over time, yeah, I think I think if, if 100 people sign up, 
you know that only 80 or 75 are going to be there. And then of that, 50 are going to finish. And, and that's, that is the game. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, that's good. I think patience is, uh, is, you know, everybody's on their own special timetable, if you will. And, uh, and that's always sage advice. Be patient. All right, bud, we're, we're kind of rounding third here and our time has gone too quickly, but, but I know we're, we're on a bit of a constraint. So we'll have you back at some point and we'll, we'll do a couple other things for sure. Maybe get you into the studio one of these days. Um, I'd love to. Before I let you go, favorite books, um, transformational things that kept you inspired going through what you went through, just what, you know, anything you want to, you want to touch on. Yeah. About it. Two or three would be great. So one of them is, um, endurance, the story of Ernest Shackleton, uh, being stuck in Antarctica. I think it was what, 1915, 1916 for two years. Oh. And you read about his leadership lessons and the fact that he, kept their brains engaged on surviving. Mm. You talk about, you know, he still made them, they're frozen in Antarctica, but yet he still made them read, do homework every day, play soccer. Wow. He knew the key to survival is keeping the brain engaged. Mm. Uh, so that thing, that book really resonates with me. Another one is the one thing. Yep. And it really, for people like me that borderline ADD, it's nice to say, all right, if I just pick one aspect in each part of my life, whether it's professional, uh, financial, or, you know, spiritual family, if I focused on one thing and said, all right, if I do this thing outstanding, it will produce results in every other aspect in my career. I could handle that. And so one of the things I focused on, I said, look, I'm really good that if I can get in front of people, I know I'm going to be successful. And so in my sales career, I just said, all right, what can I do to get in front of people? And so then I started mapping out what that looks like. And after doing that, my career took off. Uh, another book I love is called Devoted. It's the story of Dick and Rick Hoyt. You probably know this one, but you know, Rick was born with cerebral palsy in the 1970s. Uh, basically told that he couldn't even be enrolled in public schools. The parents fought for that. Wind up graduating from Boston College. Wow. He and his dad competed in over a 1,000 races together. Uh, he was like a 30-time Boston qualifier, the dad pushing him in a wheelchair. Um, they've completed the Hawaii Ironman within the standard cutoff times. Wow. And the whole story just reinforces that, look, a lot of us are dealt some pretty bad cards in life, but we can't sit around and feel sorry for ourselves. We got to play the hand we're dealt and make the most of it. Mm. And when you start looking at life that way, you feel pretty lucky. You, you know, I take solace that no matter what I'm going through, I know somebody else has been through something worse. Mm. And so I always say, you know, who are you to feel sorry for yourself? You know, suck it up. So many people would, give anything to have the challenges that I face on a daily basis. You know, my challenges may be somebody else's blessings. Mm. You really just got to keep reminding yourself that we all truly have been given gifts that we don't even realize until we lose them. Yeah, that's beautifully put perspective. Uh, perspective changes everything. Right view. Um. All right, my man, that may be the, the best way to button this up. I think everybody needs a, a checkup from the neck up time to time. We get wrapped up in our own problems. Um, before I let you go, brother, is there, again, we're going to link to the book, your website, but if there's anything you might be promoting or anything you want to share, um, Feel free to do that. I'm sorry. No, I was, yeah, I don't know if I broke up. Um, so what I was suggesting is we're going to link to your book. 
Okay. And we're going to link to your website. But if there's anything you you may be promoting that you want to talk about, feel free. If not, that that certainly works too. Just want to give you the opportunity to. Uh, you know, one is the book "What the Fire Ignited," but secondly, I will be competing in the Spartan World Championships in Lake wow. Tahoe at the end of September. On behalf of the Shriners Children's Hospital, I was a patient of theirs for 13 years. Mm. I'll be fundraising for them. So, you know, you can ping me through the website. I've got a, a fundraising um, I need to double check to see the website because I posted it on LinkedIn and Facebook. Okay. Well, yeah, get me, just shoot, shoot me that email. I'll make sure we'll link to that. That would be fantastic. And then, you know, in summary... I think a lot of what I believe is outlined perfectly in your book, The Habit Factor. Like I told you earlier, I think we could have co-authored the book because I feel like you've nailed perfectly in words the way I've been trying to live my life. And it all starts with training your brain and putting the habits in place. Wow. Well, thank you, brother. Hey, uh, just... You know, I kind of wish, I wish our event in the Grand Canyon went another few days at least. It was an honor and a privilege to meet you, of course, in person, to have you on the show. It's been a, an extra treat, a special gift. Um, so I'll leave you with that. If you want to say goodbye to the audience, do so. And then, uh, I'll swing around later and sync up with you. This, this is probably not airing, uh, for a couple months it's going to air when we kick off season six so all right my man well thank you goodbye everybody and uh enjoy your hopefully get to take your vacation south of the border (laughs) all right we'll talk soon shay great job brother take care hey really quick i just want to remind you if you want to grab your habits and goals tracking template, the template that started it all. You can get that really quickly. Just text me at 33444 and simply text the word habits. That is habits, H-A-B-I-T-S to 33444 and you will get the tracking template immediately. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Thanks for dropping a quick review. It'll take you less than 30 seconds if you're getting value. I'm out.